be wet summers, warmer winters, the increased movement of stock around the nation, the reduction in effective worm control, the increased resistance to existing chemicals. Worm control in sheep has become a major issue and the spread and frequency of barber's pole worm in flocks is alarming. It's a parasite that rewrites the books for control and is the world champion parasite in terms of resistance, according to those who know. And we're about to hear from three of them. So Australian Wool Innovation recently held an extremely popular webinar on Barber's Pole Worm. And this podcast draws the highlights and the take-home messages from it. But the full 80-minute webinar can be found on wool.com. So, welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So a little later, we'll be hearing from Dr. Matt Playford from the Dorbutts Parasitology Laboratory and Ben Foster from Foster Animal Health. But first, let's hear from Dr. Brown Bezier, who has spent many years on sheep worms and in particular, Barber's Pole. Worms very much work by the weather. So the severity of problems we see in one year is, is going to be different from another sort of year. And it's fairly important that uh, we don't necessarily think that when we're in the depth of uh, great problems or have experienced some, uh, some, a pretty severe season, that's, that it is necessarily the new normal. We don't know what the next season is going to be, but uh, they do vary. And as an example, through the drought years a few years ago, Barber's pole worm, and in fact any worms in a lot of uh, situations, were far reduced in terms of importance. They never go away, and a worm like Barber's pole is always ready to uh, to fire up whenever the season's uh, conditions suit it, but um, it does very much. Certainly when you go down to areas where Barber's pole is far less of a problem, and I'm thinking uh, particularly here about the winter rainfall climates, uh, Victoria especially, in the, uh, the current situation, often the worm is there, but people aren't aware that it's uh, lurking in the wings, but uh, when conditions uh, fire up, uh, especially with uh, wet summers, which of course has been the uh, the, the situation for the uh, the past uh, the, uh, the summer just gone, then uh, you know a worm which was uh, a minor player can become in fact a very important one. So moving to the uh, the conditions that uh, that favourite barber's pole worms are warm weather loving worms, so we mostly see it in summer rainfall areas. But as I've said, if there's enough rainfall through summer in uh, in other areas, then the worm can uh, come to the fore. But certainly the, uh, the very heavy rainfall over the, uh, the recent months uh, in Eastern Australia very much explains what we see now. And because of that, we don't know what will happen in the future. And uh, uh, it is very much a question of season by season. But regardless, in uh, the higher risk seasons or environments, we need more worm monitoring. And uh, that'll be a continual refrain that comes through from other speakers and Matt will give us chapter and verse in terms of the connection between the uh, environmental conditions and the the, uh, the risk, whether it's an environment in general or whether it's as a season unfolds. But uh, the higher the risk, the more monitoring we need. Better to anticipate a problem and be ahead of it by having some idea of our counts in our sheep uh, ahead of conditions that will favour Barber's pole than to uh, discover halfway through that, in fact, the uh, the, um, the eagle has landed and uh, we have worm problems. I guess the only, um, call it a ray of sunshine, if you like, in uh, the current situation is that colder temperatures don't favour Barber's pole worm. Once you get below 10 degrees C, Barber's pole worm eggs pretty much cease to hatch and below about 15 degrees C, they struggle anyway. So we're, we'll be entering fairly soon a time of year when Barber's pole will largely go to sleep on pasture not totally, because the worm larvae can survive for 
a longer period than uh, or when conditions when the eggs are, are uh, no longer developing. And again, Matt will address this in a bit of detail and put some uh, numbers around that. But basically, it does mean that we're, there will be a break in terms of the barbus pole worm risk for the next uh, few months in most environments, not all. As you go further north, it'll be less so, but certainly uh, in areas where cold conditions are usual through winter, then we can expect that there'll be a bit of a break and we need to take advantage of that. So on now to how we're going to respond to, uh, uh, to Barbara's poll worm. And uh, I guess I'd make the point there's two elements here. In the short term, we need to control the immediate problems. And uh, most times that's going, to need, that's going to mean drenching, especially to make sure that sheep aren't carrying barbus pole worm through winter. The worst thing that could happen would be that uh, having experienced problems in a particularly bad season, that uh, next season we start off with a higher number of barbus pole worms than we need to and uh, kick off maybe a bigger problem than, uh, than might occur otherwise. So we certainly need to look at what's happening now. Good time to take some uh, accounts and see what's needed regarding uh, treatments to sheep to make sure that we don't transfer a problem from this season through into the next season. Private consultant Dr Brown Beesier and Ben Foster from Foster Animal Health also joined the webinar. We'll hear from him in just a minute. But beforehand, Dr Matt Playford from Doorbutts goes through some basics. First one is quarantine drench all your new stock. Now quarantine drench means you have to use four actives, one of them has to be a new one. If you want more information about quarantine drench, please see Worm Boss because it gives you chapter, line and verse. Monitor using your worm egg counts and observe animals. So it's not enough to simply look at animals that have got signs like this bottle jaw or pale colour because you really only notice that when the animals are already very sick. And so you need something to give you an early warning and that's your worm egg counts. Use paddock management. This seems to be the, uh, the biggest differentiating factor between people who are coping well with barber's pole worm and people who are really struggling. There'll be more on that um, later. Use your effective drenches. Now an effective drench is 95% kill or vaccine, which we know uh, you know, has a big impact on the worms both inside the animal and the ones that end up on pasture. Plan over winter. Now's the time to plan because we know the biggest risk period is for most sheep is going to be in the springtime. And you do have other long-term tools such as genetic and genetics and nutrition that can help you um, create a, a more resilient and less susceptible flock. Okay, well, let's start to look at some of those uh, some of those aspects. A good worm control program looks at all these different aspects of uh, the farm: worm testing, treatments, paddock management, flock management, and then tools and knowledge. Now, we did a bit of a survey, and we worked out that almost all sheep producers are using B, option B treatments. That have about 100% penetration, but there's a very varied um, adoption of all these other uh, parts of the worm control program. And if you were to test yourself um, on the different aspects, would you have a little donut in the middle or would you be spiked out with a, a triangle on one side uh, in just one of these areas? Or would you have a nice healthy wagon wheel where you're actually using options from the, from the toolkit 
uh, right across all of these different aspects. So if you're struggling with your treatments, don't despair because uh, there are a lot of other levers that you can push in your worm control program. Once the worms get into the, um, the sheep, they go into the fourth stomach, the abomasum, and then they start to suck blood and each worm is capable of sucking 0.05 mil of blood. So it only takes uh, a couple of hundred worms and they're actually making the sheep deficient in blood. They don't have enough circulating blood, they become anemic. Now the easiest way to see this is actually in the colour of the lower eyelid. And people who have done the PharmaChar course uh, will know how to check uh, very gently um, exposing the third eyelid and you can see that colour. And on the colour chart of the PharmaChar um, card, there's a gradation from an almost white colour right through to a nice pink colour. And you can definitely tell the difference between an animal that's got plenty of red blood cells, plenty of um, blood, and animals that have very pale um, uh, lower eyelid or mucous membranes because they don't have enough circulating red blood cells. So you can see um, moist conditions and warm conditions are going to be ideal for the next round of larval development. Going into winter, we want to have the minimum amount of uh, worm eggs and larvae on the pastures. And they're mainly located down in that lower part of the sward. And so the bottom five centimetres contains the majority of those worm larvae. And they also wriggle into the ground into that top centimetre of soil. And that becomes a bit of a reservoir for worms as well because uh, they'll wriggle back up the grass and provide um, uh, the next round of contamination for sheep that come through. There isn't a lot of uh, uh, worm numbers, not very high worm numbers. Once you get above that uh, five centimetres and particularly above 10 centimetres, but as we know, sheep like to graze close to the ground. And so they'll actually go down close to where the worm numbers are the highest. Okay, so that raises the question, what is, um, what is a high number of worms on the grass? Well, we recently did some tests on grass around Camden through the Dorbert's laboratory. And we found that, yes, in some paddocks, there were up to uh, 35,000 larvae per kilogram of dry matter of pasture. And when you think about it, your average sheep is going to be eating about a kilogram of dry matter of pasture every single day. So it's not, it's not unheard of to think that they could be ingesting 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, even 40,000 larvae every single day. Now that's an unacceptably high dose rate for them to pick up because that can lead to very rapid um, high level infestation, blood loss and nasty consequences. All right then, what do we do? We can't see these things with the naked eye. We have to assume that they're there and we can use the worm egg counts of the sheep to estimate how badly that pasture is contaminated. How do we do that? Well, clean paddocks are never 100% never clean. Even when there's 
uh, dirt and stubble. And we're thinking that uh, the paddock's been um, uh, blasted, clean or disinfected. There'll always be some worm larvae there ready to reinfect sheep. So we have to try and work out what's the difference between a very dirty contaminated paddock and uh, a paddock that's almost clean. So that brings us back to Barbavax, and I'd like to uh, just hand back to Ben now to take us through some of the details about Barbavax. Thanks, Matt. Um, many people here tonight may be already on Barbavax, I'm not too sure, but for those who aren't, we'll give you a quick introduction on that. Um, Barbavax was launched in 2014, work um, with the DPI in Western Australia, which Brown was largely part of, and uh, Morden Research Institute in Scotland and um, MLA. And uh, basically was rolled out here with enough vaccine in year one for 60,000 animals. So they were closely monitored for that period over the spring, summer and autumn period to see what results we could get um, on farm in the real world. Um, Barbavax is best used in conjunction with other methods. Matt will um, touch on those in further in his slides with integrated pest management to get the best out of what we do. Obviously, there's no actives that we know of in the pipeline. So what we do now, we've got to take all of these tools together and use them to our um, greatest effect if we want to um, lessen the pressure of Barber's pollworm, particularly in this upcoming season, as Matt pointed out with um, the weather forecasts the way they are. We've certainly in northern New South Wales and even in a lot of the southern areas there, we've had such a big season. So I guess if we get the, those temperatures and the moisture, these larvae that we're, we're going to be dealing with some of these larvae on the pasture for some time to come. So it's good to get planned now. So if we're not on Barbavax, um, for, that, well, for those who are first, if you're still experiencing a bit of pressure in your egg counts or you're seeing egg counts lift when you go off Barbavax, some people this year have actually gone a little bit longer on it, so you might choose to um, give those a clean out and vaccinate again, just to go a little bit further into winter to get um, just a bit more of a clean up while the pressure's not as high with incoming um, challenge uh, and to try and minimise some contamination for spring. Barbavax isn't a knockdown treatment. Some people um, sort of look at new products and think that if it, you know, they've got an egg count of 5,000 and they vaccinate them that they might um, book a holiday and go away because they're covered, but that's not certainly not the case. Um, so initially, Barber's, Barbavax needs um, some priming shots. So if you're not on Barbavax, uh, you would need, if you're planning on going on it in preparation for when things start to warm up, we need to remember we've got three needles needed. We, we're all used to five-in-ones in our lambs where the second shot's the one that gives us protective cover. Uh, Barbavax is, um, is a third needle. So three to four weeks apart to actually achieve cover. So very important to note, but until you get to that point, you aren't covered, so don't think that you've needled once or twice and uh, you know, you'd still need to continue monitoring in your normal worm control program till then. Vaccine three is usually put in with a um, effective clean out drench so that you can let a vaccine act as it's meant to as a preventer, not a knockdown. And uh, so it's a, and it's a one mil dose under the skin. So um, it doesn't matter what body weight that is. 
So Barbavax is a new alternative. It's certainly well, it's been about up in the northern end of New South Wales. I mean, obviously that's one of our major parasites year in, year out because we're summer rainfall. So this is something producers in the in the north are, are used to dealing with most of the time and into southern Queensland as well. Um, it is effective on all barbers poll. It doesn't matter of their drench resistance status. So if we had um, resistance to most of the major drugs, it's important that we have one or two there as a clean out minimum, but it doesn't mean the vaccine won't work on that particular parasite. So what it does do is provide a long-term sustainable solution to drench resistance that combined with um, an integrated approach, integrated uh, pest management, uh, less dependence on drenches is the important one. If, if our drenches are working pretty well now, that's even more reason to consider it if, you, if it's your major parasite, because what we do want to do is less exposure to our drench actives should therefore slow down the selection for resistance. It doesn't contain, uh, it's, it's a non-chemical and has no withholding period, so it can be used um, in a broad range of operations. We don't have to worry about withholding periods for slaughter. And it's a, it's suitable for all classes of sheep, so it's used anywhere from lambs, ewes, dry sheep, whatever we need to do. Ben Foster of Foster Animal Health and before that Dr Matt Playford of Dorbutts and with Dr Brown Bezier the trio presented an extremely popular webinar on Barber's Pole Worm and it can be found at wool.com but as mentioned there are a lot of resources to not only help with Barber's Pole but the use of the Barbervax vaccine and the effective control and best practice around all worms at paraboss.com. It's a very important resource for the industry. So I hope you found this edition of the podcast useful. From me, Marius Cumming, as always, thanks for having a yarn with us. <laughs>